Legal Conversations. Let's welcome our legal guest, uh, who's an attorney, and Tabiseng Dubazana. She's uh, the attorney and owner of Dubazana Attorneys. And Tabiseng, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Thank you, Patricia, for having me. Good evening. Now, we're not talking about something that's uh, very easy or palatable because in South Africa, gender-based violence has become a norm. But we always uh, are very scared when we have to report a case that comes from uh, a a place of piety, like a church or a synagogue or a mosque or a a hospital, a place where Mm. you're thinking that's where you are most protected. So let's talk about what is the legal stance when it comes to, um, you know, people working in such organizations committing sexual harassment. Well, at the end of the day, um, that sexual harassment is a criminal charge. So although we would like to get help from the institution itself to reprimand its people um, for the behavior that they would have conducted upon us as victims, for example, then, um, you know, what the, the first thing you need to do if you are a patient that say that's in and out, then the first thing you need to do is go to the nearest police station um, in order for them to take a rape kit and then, you know, basically extract the semen from the person who would have molested you or raped you at that time. That would be the first thing. But most of the time, there are patients that are not leaving. There are patients that are there for quite some time, and then they find themselves being raped on a continuous basis. So the first thing would be to report it to your nurse who would then be able to take a rape kit because there should be a rape kit readily available in hospital because that's where sometimes most victims start um, if they cannot go to the police station directly. But now I'm saying, you know, it's, when you talk sexual harassment, it's not always rape case. True. Um, so what really happens with the cases where a person has been literally harassed but there is no semen left behind? There are cases whereby um, a harassment has happened more than 10, 20 years ago, and then the victim decides to, you know, open the case later on. So what happens is that if it ends up seeing a day in court, then the court will then use circumstantial evidence based on the on the um, victim's version of events. And if there was any sort of eyewitness, then great. But if not, it's usually the victim's word against the perpetrator or the alleged perpetrator's word. So in a situation whereby you are in an institution such as a church or a hospital, the first thing you need to do, like I said, is you need to make aware the nurse that is uh, handling you on a day-to-day basis because that's the person that you'll be interacting more with. And then have the matter escalated to the senior or the head of the of the institution itself. Unfortunately, when it comes to churches, usually the perpetrator is the head of the institution itself. Um, so I guess the next best thing would be to go to a deacon, go to maybe the, in the in the if you're a woman, go to the head of the ladies' department or the the, the lady the, the women that pray. If you're a male, then you go t- tell it to the deacons or even the church minister them, himself if he's not the one per- who is a perpetrator against you. And then thereafter, you really have to go to the police station and open a criminal charge against this person, whether or not there is any sort of um, DNA evidence that is left after the incident has happened. 
Hmm. Now, I'm glad when you said uh, some cases are a he said, she said case. So um, yeah. no evidence can be collected or at least because maybe our technology is not good enough when it comes to collecting evidence because mm -hmm. I mean, DNA should even be able to be swapped off your skin, you know. Uh, but in any case, in these cases, if it's a he said, she said scenario and most of these people, especially in the church, would be influential people. Church, synagogue, mm. you know, they're spiritually influential people. And uh, even in a hospital setting, you know, you are the patient, you are the weakling, and here you are accusing uh, the top nurse or the doctor. No one really believes you. So where do you even begin? Well, there's a movie that I've watched before, <laughs> The Sound of Music, when you ask, where do you begin? The the very beginning is the, is the one thing you can do right at the beginning. There's nothing much you can do. So the first place is to report to someone, anyone that is nearby to help you out, especially if you're in these institutions, unlike when it happened on the street somewhere or something of the sort. Even at home, even if it happens within a home, the first person you report to has to be somebody that you would believe would tr you could trust enough to help you get out of the situation. If it's your mom that is abusing you, then tell your dad. If it's your dad, then tell your mom, something along those lines. But the first step is to report it to someone so that when the matter does eventually get to court, there is what we call the A1 statement, which is the person who you've reported to, so that they can confirm that Nkabi Singh did say to me as Patricia that on this day and on that day, one, two, three happened to her. And then that can be confirmed because that would be hearsay evidence at the end of the day. So then I can then, when I testify and give evidence in court, I can confirm that hearsay evidence because I had once told somebody. So it is very important that somebody has to know. But the other sad thing is that victims are made to be ashamed of the fact that they were harassed, they were, um, you know, raped, they were all of these things. So it is quite a scary thing to um, to encourage a victim to, to, to say or tell what happened, but it is absolutely necessary that it has to be done. Oh, it's not. It's easier said than done, yeah? It's yeah. Saying, um, yeah. Because, you know, when you are being victimized by someone who is... Uh, who is powerful, who you probably, you know, were really reliant on, whether it's the hospital setting or the church setting, um, to, to, to come out is difficult. But yeah. the thing that makes it worse is how the legal system treats such cases. Now, victims feel secondary um, victimization every time they need to go and report. Mm. So, so how can that be dealt with? How can a victim... Um, or a survivor of harassment um, in these settings that are very um, sanitized and clean, how can they get help with uh, by jumping the queue instead of having to sit in a, a police station with people who just don't understand what you're going through and who are just going to count you amongst the herd who are there to report every other case? Unfortunately, you can't um, unless, of course, you've got like hectic oopsies, unless you've got like hectic injuries that you know you're coming into the police station with or with the, in 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 the hospital with then usually you're able to skip the queue mm. however um you know unfortunately being uh, a criminal defense attorney there's things whereby you see in court 
I'm not condoning what happens at police stations, but it is unfortunate that of the 30 or so cases that are reported of either sexual harassment, rape, molestation, whatever, of those 30, about 15, 50% of those end up being false. So when you when you now go and report as a Patricia, Patricia as in Tabby saying, to the police station and you're a genuine, genuine victim, because the police are inundated with such crimes and when it gets to court, you're able to find out that this never happened. It's just a bitter situation of any sort. For example, I always use this one when I... When I give an example, we once resolved a case of rape where the accused was in custody for nine months. And when the trial was supposed to now be heard, then the victim is like, no, and like, and like this guy owed me like 150 bucks for, from DBA. All I want is 150 bucks. And then we put together 150 bucks between ourselves and then gave her the money and she withdrew the case. But that's nine months of a person's life gone down the drain. So... Oh. It is it is hectic. So dealing with such cases, unfortunately, you need to be so um, objective that when a, a child, I did one two years ago. No, it's a year ago. A six-year-old boy had accused this man of of sexually uh, of raping him, and he had been in custody since 2019. Early this year. He was found not guilty. The issue was that mom had an issue with the with the accused because the accused fired her from work. And then she made this kid make up the story. So these are the things that we face in court. And yet we know that there are so many other victims that actually do go through the most and choose not to go to, to police stations, not to report to anybody because they will be treated as those ones, the very few, perhaps, I don't know, that lie when they get to the police stations. That is the main issue that we are looking, we are facing rather when we are in court. Now, what can be done about those people who are um, who are lying? What is done legally for a woman, a man, a child, whatever it is, who lies and they come out? Because they, they mess up with other people's lives and reputations. So what gets done with them legally? Legally speaking, then the charge of perjury would be opened against the, the um the person who had alleged to be raped or be a victim at that stage. And then, you know, it takes on there. But perjury, unless it's changed, but last I checked, perjury, the highest sentence you'll get is three years. Mind you, this person would have been facing, um, the, the, the person who was accused of rape or whatever the case may be, would have been facing a 25-year sentence had he or she be found guilty of that crime. So you see, we are. It's not exactly balanced in that situation. Um, and then, at best, the accused person can then sue the state for wrongful arrest and all of that, and can per- choose to also sue the 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 victim who alleged of, the, of this rape in their personal capacity. But most of the time, that person won't have that kind of money. So it is it, it is not fair. But currently, that is where we stand when it comes to the law. Oh, yeah, it's not fair, but that's where we stand. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I wish that uh, we could be a bit more honest as a country, as a people, um, because sexual harassment, when it's true, is very painful. 
Um, mm. and, and we shouldn't take it lightly. And also we don't want to end up with a society that knows that they can get away with lying about someone else's name. Um, as we wrap up, what are your closing comments? I would I would like to urge the public that when it comes to, to, to sexual harassment, in fact, rape cases, can we be as sensitive as possible? Because even us, even as attorneys, we tend to be insensitive due to what we see. So the first thing is to be very sensitive when dealing with such a matter. And then refer the parties or the people who are victims of this to get as much um, psychological and mental help to deal with the emotions going through this. Also to be kind to those who were once uh, um, accused of this when they come out, that stain, so to speak, remains with them going forward. We need to help them to be integrated into society. It's not an easy balance to strike, but somehow I think we need to strike it. Thank you so very much for joining us. And Tab saying, how do our A-teamers get in touch with you at Dubazana Attorneys? Um, our landline is 087-265-8010 and then an email can be sent to us at info at dubazanatunis.co.za and our email address is dubazanatunis.co.za. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us.